The first time I realized my hometown was changing was when a Starbucks was built a few miles down my street. I started connecting the dots when I learned there was a Whole Foods a five minute drive away. Of course, this wasn't the first sign that my town, Franklin, Massachusetts, was changing. It had been growing for several years by then, morphing from a quiet, middle-class, Irish-Italian town to a genuinely wealthy city. New money, new neighbors, new latte dispensary. I wasn't sure if it was gentrification, but it was worth exploring. I'm Ajay Bande. This is Perfectly Nice Neighbors, an exploration of gentrification in the Boston area. This is a case study. The hope is to look at the changes in Franklin and compare it to what we think is gentrification. If we conclude that Franklin is in fact gentrifying, then the set of conditions that Franklin meets are sufficient conditions and we just need to whittle it down from there. If we conclude that Franklin is not gentrifying, then either Franklin has some condition that rules out gentrification or is missing something necessary for gentrification. Of course, I'm not the most observant person in the world, so I interviewed a few Franklin residents to see what they thought. I'll start with Nick Burgos. He's a townie. In fact, he's about as townie as you can get. He grew up here, and so did his mother. Well, I was born in Florida, Orlando, Florida, and a big thing for my parents was they wanted me to have a good education when I was growing up. And Franklin has that. It also helps that Nick's mom had a bunch of friends and family still here. So we made the transition back to Franklin in the year 2000. He went to a local elementary school. He played baseball and football in high school. And he goes to the University of South Carolina. He's my age, actually. So, um, yeah, tell me a little bit more about your experience and your mom's experience, I guess, with uh, development in Franklin. So, well, let me start off with my mom's experience. When she was growing up, her and her brothers, they would ride dirt bikes through places that have now become housing developments. Streets like the Oak Street Extension and just all the roads down there. It was just all woods, all swampy areas and marshes and... Not nothing like it is today. When my mom was growing up, you know, everyone knew everyone in town. I like to say everyone that grows up here knows everyone in town, but it's becoming much more grown that you don't know your next door neighbors maybe or you don't know the people down the street. Everyone's sort of moving. It's there's a lot of turnover going on in the town. When she grew up it was just a small town, just no one really thought about it, off the map sort of thing. But, you know, fast forward to when I'm growing up here, it's, um, it has changed a lot more, you know. You're seeing a lot more people wanting to move here because it's an easy commute. Their kids can go to a new high school and a great high school at that with excellent academic standards and also it was voted like the safest town in America. Oh yeah, I heard about that. When you're a family or when you're a new family looking for somewhere to go, those factors are important to you. It's it's actually one of the reasons, you know, 
are some of the reasons why we moved back. You're seeing the property values start to increase and increase a lot. Our house that we have, you know, I was doing my research before I came over here and I, I looked on Zillow just as a, a benchmark. Our property has doubled in value. That doubling in value happened between 2000 when they moved back and today in 2017. And also too, when you see growth, you see it in the center of town. There was a two year project in the center of town that revitalized the whole thing. You had the old Franklin Furniture Building, which is now uh, the Cake Bar, Maguro House, East Coast Driving, but that building was terrible. It was run down, it was dilapidated, it was just an eyesore to the center of town. So when they came in, that was like their first thing right there. They go, we're gonna, re we're gonna revitalize this. That was like the first big stepping stone for people saying, this is our town, we're going to invest in it. Like, this is gonna be like the model of what we want the downtown area to look like. Another part of the center of town that you really don't see and really not many people hear about unless you know like the shop owners there is the rent is going up and it's going up to the point where some people have had to move their businesses to other locations in Franklin because now the the property value has gone up and the property value has gone up because they turned it from a one-way to a two-way you have a train station right there in the center of town too so you have a lot of foot traffic each day uh, each weekday you know coming to and from work and it's becoming not just a quiet town, but a buzz town. Everyone's buzzing around. Everyone's either going to work or, you know, after work they come back and they can go to the center of town and get something to eat. Plus you also have things like the Strawberry Festival or the Little League parades and all that stuff. It just makes the sense of a community being there. You have things for your kids. You have an easy commute. It's safe for your kids. Your kids are going to get a great education. All the meanwhile, if you've been here since 2007 or even like early 2000s, your property value is going up. A lot of people are selling. And with a lot of people selling their houses for much more than what they bought them for, you're having these newer generations of families come in who, let's face it, have a lot more money because they're buying a house for $700,000 or $500,000, much more than what my parents would ever pay for a house. But, you know, you have these families coming in, you have such an influx of money that you need these places like the cake bar, or even there's an olive oil shop that opened up in the center of town too. Going back to all these townies, how many townies do you think were ever gonna go into an olive oil shop? It's something that, you know, is more geared towards the higher tax bracket people but it's also something that maybe it's owned by a townie because maybe they see a market for this and now they're opening this up and it's just a big culture boost too. You have all these people coming in, you have a lot more different kinds of families coming in. I mean, Franklin's like 92% white families too, but you have a lot more Chinese and Asian people moving here. You have a lot more Indian families moving, moving here, Hispanics and blacks and all that. You know, we're having a lot more people move here because those people know that this town is the place to be. How are you doing, Mrs. Sampson? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking me to do this. <laughs> Thank you. This is Patty Sampson. She's a close family friend. 
I've been friends with her son since second grade, and she was one of the first people my mother befriended when we moved here. Mrs. Sampson grew up in Connecticut. She moved to Florida after college, moved back to the city, Boston, after several years, married in 1991, and moved to Franklin in 94. And so we started looking everywhere. We joked that we looked in all the W towns, Waltham, Wellesley, Westwood, but they, they were way too expensive for us. And we talked to one real estate agent and Dave had found the listing of this house in Franklin. I'm like, I have never heard of Franklin. I don't know what it is or what it's about, but we went uh, to see the house and it had, you know, we always went around with a list of things we'd like to have, things we had to have, and then things that would be like bonuses. And this house had almost everything. And it was awesome. We did all the paperwork, got the loans, and we got the house in September of 1994. And we wanted to be kind of settled in by the time Halloween rolled around because we wanted to give out the best stuff for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> They've been here ever since. Can you tell me a bit about your experience with how Franklin has changed since yeah. 94? Yeah, it, it, um, it really has built up. But not surprisingly, because it's such a great community, you know, when we first were looking at houses here, really when we were first looking at houses anywhere, everybody would say, oh, well, this is a good buy because the school system is excellent. And such and such a school in this system is excellent. And of course, everybody said, oh, the Kennedy School is awesome. And this, we were in the Kennedy School District. And so that was a big plus for us because we were thinking, oh, we're going to have kids any minute now. You know, that was important to us to have a community that was close to a school system. And there were still a lot of farms on 140, which is, even though it's not called Main Street, that's the main drag, I think, through town. I remember a barn that had an old, it probably must have been about a 100-year-old advertisement painted on the side for one of the dairies. It might have been Gorelick that was next to Stop and Shop and now where the Burger King is. There was a big farm there. And now every, you know, it seems like every five years there's another new development. I think the first one that we saw that took away a fair amount of land, which, you know, the people who sell the land aren't assuming that those who buy it are going to have more dairy farms. I mean, we've got to realize that they're selling it so that people can build more into the community, build more houses and so on. Um, was It was Charles River Farms. That was the first big one. That was not here when we first moved in. But the town I grew up in was very much the same way. Connecticut, the town that, that I grew up in was Enfield, Connecticut, and it was largely agrarian with some industry along the Connecticut River. And they had lots of dairy farms also, um, and also shade tobacco. And then that land started being bought up, and they built houses for executives who were working in Hartford and East Hartford, working for the insurance companies and the uh, aircraft engine companies that were there. So it's very similar. In fact, the house that I live in now was built the same year of the house that I grew up in, which is kind of ironic, I think. Hayes, how are you doing? I'm doing well, AJ. So good to see you today. This is Dana Hayes. She is also a close family friend. Like with Mrs. Sampson, I've been friends with her son since elementary school, and she's among my mother's first Franklin friends. She moved to Franklin kind of by accident when her husband was working a contract for a bank in town. The bank manager talked about the great value in Franklin, the great access to highways, rail, 
the good affordability. The banker gave him a real estate agent's card and we looked around, looked at the town and did end up buying a home here. Also, Mrs. Hayes was recovering from laryngitis as of this interview, and I'm not quite good enough at podcasting to edit that out in post. Sorry. So uh, how has Franklin changed in that time? Franklin, right after we moved in, that was 1991. Franklin, I believe in the next maybe five or seven years after that, I believe they were given the title of most building permits, residential building permits in a year in Massachusetts. For several years, there was a huge boom. And it seemed like for a while, cul-de-sacs were going in everywhere. It seemed like a lot of the wooded land was being plowed down and another development would go in and then the next week you'd see a, another development or like a hotel suddenly would pop up and we were just you know thinking wow we didn't even know that was coming and there it is so fast sometimes you know you just wonder what the grand plan is or whether it's thoughtfully done or whether it's just done to take advantage of the most permits that they can I also contacted Gordon, the Hayes family guinea pig, for his thoughts on the development in Franklin. This is very brave, though. Mm-hmm. For the first couple of weeks, he just stayed in the big room. <laughs> Where did he come out? Look, he's getting so brave. Gordon declined to comment. And finally, I spoke to someone actually in the town government. John, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is John Carroll. Can you tell me a bit about yourself? Okay, basically, I've been, I moved here 21 years ago. I originally came from Boston, and I moved out here to raise three children, which have been very successful. Uh, I have my own business. I'm an electrician. He's also on the Franklin Planning Board as the clerk. Turns out, sitting on the planning board is a volunteer position, which is pretty neat. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the planning board is the go-to for any sort of development in town. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, if you want to develop something, you, you, you would submit your plans to us. What we try to do is make sure you're not overdeveloping the property so that you're not offending your neighbors. But also, safety is one of our main you know, um, resources that we want to make sure that everything's going to be safe. And one thing you mentioned uh, when I called you was that you don't go to businesses for development, they come to you, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, so your small stores or your restaurants, Wendy's, Burger King, that type of thing, or, or even a, a regular restaurant, it's not the planning board's job. We don't get paid for this. This is strictly volunteer work. Um, but we don't go out soliciting businesses. Most of the 99, 100% of the businesses are, they like the location. They come to us and say, okay, we would like to put in a, you know, a restaurant with, you know, 50 seats and this is how much land we have. And we tell them you can do it or you have to scale it back and you can only put in 25 seats because you're not big enough. You can't put something bigger than, than the property is actually designed for. 
we want to make sure that there's the sidewalks and it's, you know it's just to access the building the parking lot's not so big that you're putting you know 20 cars in a parking lot that's really only designed for 15 mm-hmm. that's the safety issues in, in the time since you've been in franklin could you tell me a bit about your experience with how it's changed since then the the town has grown there's more more homes that are being built um, when I came here 20 years ago, the average brand new home went for 225000 Today, that same home is probably 350 to 400000 So the, the town has grown as far as um, wealth. Uh, it's, it's really not a poor town in that respect. It's a wealthy town. When I first moved here, there was a lot of open space. And it's more of the old timers, so to speak, that own that property that are now selling it. I believe a lot of the property that was sold is the um, older generation, so to speak, retirement funds. Today, if you can find a, you know, something that has 10 or 20 acres, it's, it's very rare. So there was a period of time in uh, the early 2000s that building was just, everybody was building. There were, you know, homes going up every place. Today it's slowed down. Uh, since I've been on the planning board, four years, uh, is, there's only probably maybe six developments that have gone in as far as homes. So there really hasn't been a lot. It is picking up, but it's not the way it, it was. It's good and it's bad. Uh, it's good because it helps the economy, but it's, you know, it's also bad because it's now making what I feel a town into a city. You know, some of the other towns surrounding us are turning into cities. And it's just the way the government is running the town. You have a mayor instead of town council. Personally, I like to see nine people running my town as opposed to one. (laughs) I waited till the very end to bring up the G word. Do you think Franklin's gentrifying? Uh is gentrifying or has been or like will be at some point or are we going through it right now is what you're saying whatever works yeah did you have you worried about gentrification in franklin and this is part of me trying to um figure out what gentrification is is um do you think franklin has gentrified or is gentrifying or could gentrify it's a very broad question i'm sorry i really need to find a good way to phrase that question. I don't I don't believe so. If you had to look at what would be considered like the that use this lib, like the poor mm-hmm. parts of town um it's like the oof. You look at the the big housing projects. Yeah, it's um affordable housing for those who qualify and you don't see things around there that are examples of gentrification because you have like the affordable housing for those with low income, but you don't really have like higher end places going around it, which are causing like, you know, those people to bring down the property value. There's really nothing around it. All, all that's around it is a Dunkin' Donuts, a car dealership, and the rest is just wood. Um, another part of town which would be considered a lower income area is uh, uh, behind the downtown or the center of town area and and I mean you know with all the revitalization that's happening in Franklin you don't really see those people being like kicked out or 
you know, looked down upon. It's not even really that low of an income place. Maybe it's happening. I'm not aware of it. But, you know, you don't really see uh, gentrification happening in Franklin. And I think that's because everyone that's been here has just been doing, you know, well off on their own that, you know, you don't really see these things happening. I guess I would define gentrifying as displacing affordable housing with housing that is more restrictive and only for those who have more income. And I don't, I don't see that as much here in, in Franklin. I think Franklin is doing a decent job of making sure that there is housing affordable for most middle-class people here. You know, it would be nice if we had more of a, a mix of races and nationalities, but I don't think there's a deterrent to anybody moving here unless it's financial. Um, but I don't think that there's that much. I mean, I think there are enough houses that are affordable to many people uh, and even to low-income people. I know that Franklin's worked very hard to get a lot of affordable senior housing and housing for people on fixed incomes and some housing for low-income families. I think as you get closer to Boston, I mean, people are just priced out of the market. I don't think I would ever, unless I won the lottery, ever be able to live in Boston. It's just, it's too expensive. But I, I don't worry, I guess, as much about gentrification here because most of the housing is detached single-family housing. So give me your definition of gentrification. That's literally what the whole podcast is about. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I worry more about the strain on the resources and I also feel like um, this is a separate thing probably not related to gentrification but I feel like things like roads go in just as a cul-de-sac nothing's interconnected in terms of the gentrification part I guess it seems like the building is mixed mixed market values so I suppose as long as there is a, a range of affordability, I have no problem with Franklin becoming more populated, but I want to make sure that it's thought out. And I don't think we need to have every single parcel of land developed into residential. That didn't really answer your question, did it? <laughs> don't worry. Um, I don't really have a good answer, uh, to, to be honest with you. I, I haven't looked into it, so to kind of speculate would be just that, speculation. Um. Let's recap. Before the mid-90s or so, Franklin was tiny. It was largely farms, forests, and swamps. It wasn't poor per se, but it wasn't wealthy either. Then, around the mid-90s to the early 2000s, folks started moving in, having gotten word that Franklin was the place to live and raise a family. Great schools, strong community, safe for kids, and not prohibitively expensive. And in response to folks moving in, developers built a lot of houses, and many of those houses were quite fancy. And even as those new developments came in, everyone else's property also shot up in value, as in doubling in 20 years, despite a housing crisis happening in between. 
So how does that compare to the possible conditions of gentrification that I wrote down last week? Let's start with what matches up. Franklin was probably lower class, as in lower middle class, before rapidly developing. It had an influx of new residents, who were often quite wealthy. Property values rose, and rose quite a bit. The downtown has been rebuilt, and honestly, it's beautiful now. There has been a change in culture, but I don't know whether it's a product of more money or simply more people. And there has been a rise in bougie lifestyle brands. Again, there's a Starbucks near me. But Franklin doesn't check all the boxes. It hasn't rapidly gotten whiter. If anything, it's becoming more diverse. There's a subdivision complex near my house that's basically become an enclave for a specific part of the Indian American diaspora. No one said Franklin was shabby or unsafe before the developments really rolled in. The old townies in Franklin haven't been priced out of the market and evicted. And although this town is almost a city, it's not urban. Most everyone lives in single-family homes, and there's still some open space left. So, is Franklin gentrifying? I'm going to say no. Gentrification is this eldritch horror, and folks seem to know it when they see it. But here, the responses to, is Franklin gentrifying, range from, I don't know, to, I don't think so which is a far cry from the existential terror normally associated with gentrification. So either there's something special about Franklin that automatically means it's not gentrifying, or something necessary for gentrification is not happening here. We need more data. Next week, I'll go to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and see if we can find something there. Thank you to Nick Burgos, Patty Sampson, Dana Hayes, and John Carroll for lending their time and thoughts for this podcast. Writing, music, narration, and production by Ajay Pandey. This is an independent study for UMass Amherst under the guidance of Professor Jenny Adams and Professor Sanjay Arwade. For questions, comments, critiques, and concerns, you can contact me at apandey at umass.edu. Thank you for listening. <laughs>